Hello, Shocker Nation, and welcome to this month's edition of Forward Together Podcast. This month, I want to focus on research. More specifically, I'd like to talk about how Wichita State University fosters a spirit of innovation and serves our communities through the variety of research projects done by our students, our faculty, and innovation partners. My first guest today is Melinda Laubachock, who is the Director of Sustainment for WSU's National Institute for Aviation Research. In 2021, the NIAR team managed roughly $200 million in research and development that included work with the defense industry, manufacturing, and private companies. Welcome, Dr. Laubachock. Thank you so much for being here today. It's good to see you. Good to see you as well. Thank you for inviting me to participate today, Dr. Muma. So at NIAR, you work at the Aircraft Structural Test and Evaluation Center. We, we call that Aztec, another mnemonic. Um, tell us a little bit about um, that type of research and, and what you all do up there at Aztec. So NIAR began operating out of the old Kansas Coliseum in 2013, and we turned it into the Aztec facility, which is the third largest structural test facility in the world and one of the largest teardown facilities in North America. We do a lot of defense research out there. So we are looking at how to extend the life of airframes, how to make sure they continue operating safely to the end of their economic life. So on the full-scale test side, we're taking large airframes, putting them in fixtures, and applying loads to them that are very similar to what they would see flying in the air to assess how, where we need to inspect, where we need to look, what we need to do to keep them operating safely when they actually fly in the air. Uh, from the sustainment perspective, we're taking airplanes apart piece by piece. Uh, we're looking at the structural health of the pieces. And we're also working on a digital engineering campaign out there, which is taking airplanes that were designed before the digital age and moving them into the digital age to help reduce sustainment costs and to continue to allow those airframes to be operated safely into the future. Yeah, and I've been out there several times and you've uh, provided tours for me um, each each of those times. And so I don't know if the audience would really have a good perspective, but I'll try to provide one here. So a B-1 bomber or B-1B bomber, um, you have two, I think, that you've um, torn down and um, now translating that, all those parts into digital um, uh, drawings and that sort of thing. I want the audience to understand that these are huge aircraft that um, uh, are, are being evaluated in that facility. Um, and it's just almost impossible to have people understand uh, how large these aircraft are, how uh, uh, important the work is that we're trying to do uh, around that aircraft. And, and for the B-1 bomber, it, if you correct me if I'm wrong, they want it to fly for another 40 years? Or? They're looking to retire the B-1s in about 2040. So we're looking at about another 20 years of service life. Yeah, and so you're trying to make sure that they continue to fly and uh, develop prototypes for parts and different kinds of uh, uh, support for that aircraft. Is that, in a nutshell, sort of correct? Absolutely. We moved two fuselages through the city of Wichita in 2020 and 2021, so many of us may have seen the airframes on the road. To give you some size perspective, they're about half a football field long, and they take up three lanes of traffic. We're digitizing about 50,000 parts on the B-1 airframe, so we have upwards of 200 to 250 people, both uh, full-time uh, employees of NIAR and also engineering and other majors of students working on those programs. 
Yeah, and, and it's a good example of how we're able to uh, provide applied learning experiences for students, particularly those who are in computer science or uh, computer engineering or other, even other fields. Um, when you go to that facility, you see all kinds of students um, uh, doing that work. So it's really great and really fits into what we do as a university. So speaking of the B1 uh, bomber, um, uh, this week it was announced that NIAR's uh, B1 Digital Engineering Transformation Program received $100 million from the Air Force to continue the program. That has to be um, one of the largest research grant awards in the state. It for sure is here at Wichita State. Um, that's incredible. And can you tell us a little bit more about what the purpose of that uh, grant award is for and uh, what you guys hope to do going forward? Absolutely. And you did a good job alluding to the size of the B-1. It's a very, very large airframe, so the digitization effort is massive. Uh, we began a contract with B-1 in 2020 to start this effort. It was planned to be a five-year effort. Um, we were funded to do the first couple years, so some of this is follow-on work. Um, in addition, we're, in addition to the structural digital twin that we're building, we're starting to look at systems. Um, structures is not the only thing that keeps airframes from being ready to fly. So we're starting to look at how to integrate systems work into that. And we're also beginning at Wichita State some weapons work. So we're going to begin doing some research for the Air Force on whether the types of weapons they're pursuing are going to work well with the airframe. We're also making um, enhanced digital um, engineering models that will help predict where problem areas will be on the aircraft moving forward so that we can start to proactively design repairs. So we're looking at inserting technology smartly to help the B-1 uh, through the end of its life cycle. You know, I think it's important for people to also understand who are listening to this and, and following Wichita State and, and what we do at the institution in terms of research. This, this is... Uh, what I would say is where the rubber meets the road in terms of research. You know, there's all kinds of theoretical research that's uh, led up to this, um, um, but this is actually applying that work into a real situation, solving a problem for the Air Force um, and utilizing our research expertise. And um, I think people sometimes miss that um, when we're talking about these kinds of things. Absolutely. I wish I could, you know, turn back the clock about two decades to be a student and have the opportunities that the students at Wichita State are getting in these applied learning situations. Um, they are getting to function basically as full engineers under the supervision of senior engineers. And um, the product we're delivering, uh, we've often been referred to as the tip of the spear for digital engineering for the Air Force and for the Army and some of the other branches of service. Um, we're really breaking ground both on a theoretical and applied perspective uh, in the digital engineering world. Yeah. So as a director of sustainability at NIAR, talk about why sustainability is such an important field of research. You mentioned a few things, um, but particularly um, in the defense industry. So in defense, a lot of people um, get excited about the cost of a new airplane. You know, you look at like Joint Strike Fighter, $90 million for a new airframe. What they fail to realize is there's about 10 times the cost on the backside to keep that airplane flying through its service life. So how we do maintenance, uh, where can we improve that? Um, how can we continue to keep the airframe operating safely? How can we make it more mission ready? One of the things uh, the Department of Defense has picked up on in the last five or 10 years is the fact that we own a lot of airplanes, but they're not always ready to go to the fight. So what do we need to do to make sure we're at 80, 
85% of our airplanes are ready to go at any given time. Um, so it's, it's a whole different branch of engineering that you don't necessarily learn about while you're in school. Yeah. And so this is kind of related. You've worked in the defense research side for almost 20 years now, as you mentioned. Um, how have you seen research change uh, over that 20-year period, um, particularly at Wichita State? Well, when I joined NIAR, we were primarily doing commercial research, and uh, we were probably more in the developmental or theoretical research stage as opposed to the applied research stage. Uh, to give you a perspective, in 2002, NIAR was about 250 people. We're about 1,300 now. Uh, and I think we've had to move out of the commercial industry and diversify our portfolio to include defense and space. Just as you know, the Wichita aviation market goes up and down um, periodically with the economic cycle mm -hmm. and um, biz jets and the type of airplanes that we produce here in Wichita are especially susceptible. So we've started to even see Wichita as a community begin to add defense to their portfolio. If you talk to like Spirit Aerosystems, they're working in defense. Textron's working in defense now. And I think Nair was kind of leading that effort, bringing military leaders here to showcase what the city of Wichita can do to support them. I know there has to be challenges in your work. Um, personally, as a research scientist and um, uh, People should know that you you have a PhD in um, in engineering, and so uh, the challenges that you've had to f have faced over your career. Could you talk a little bit more about those and and what that um, has done to move forward um, your area at Aztec? Sure, I think the greatest um, challenge that I have as a researcher is knowing where to stop. Uh, the Defense Department has so many interesting problems. You can quickly find yourself going off on a tangent and. And, and building a program for 10, 15, 20 years on a single platform. Uh, at NIAR, we really want to touch a bunch of different platforms and make sure that we're bringing the biggest bang to the buck to the Air Force for what we're delivering. So that has been a challenge. Um, learning to work with a diverse group of people. In digital engineering, like I said, we have probably in all of digital engineering, maybe 350, 400 heads. Uh, those range in age from 16 up to 70. And so there's learning to work with that diverse population, learning how to communicate with a student versus someone who's more experienced than I am, for example. Um, I think those would be the most evident challenges that I faced during my career. Well, you've seemed to overcome um, all of those. And if anybody's listening has an opportunity to visit Aztec, it's an amazing facility, very interesting. Um, and I hope, hope that uh, our, some of our listeners have that ability uh, to tour along with you because you provide a great tour, a great explanation of what you all are doing. So I thank you so much for being here today. Um, we really appreciate learning more about what's going on at Aztec and, and NIAR, and it's good to see you again. Thank you, Dr. Mima. My next guest is Dr. Colleen Pugh, Vice Provost for Research and Dean of Wichita State's Graduate School. She works with faculty to advance research on campus, particularly funded research. I appreciate your time today, Colleen, so good to see you. Um, looking forward to having a conversation about what you do to help promote research on campus. But first, I just wanna um, talk a little bit about you and your background and your fields of chemistry and macromolecular science. It's a mouthful. Yes. Um, you've been involved in research all over the country. Uh, including MIT, Case Western, University of Akron, and now at Wichita State. So what are some of the points of difference uh, that you might see uh, 
those institutions as compared to Wichita State in terms of research and the kind of research that's carried out. Right. Well, first of all, you have to remember that that I have different perspectives from those or come from a, a different viewpoint in, I think, in two ways. First, uh, macromolecular science is an interdisciplinary field. And then chemistry is a more traditional one and, and traditionally more siloed. So I, I have those two perspectives from the various places I've been. And then also, of course, I, I was a student or a postdoc or a faculty member and, and now in an administrative position. And my viewpoint has broadened each time I, I see more. Um, but <clears throat> I often think back about uh, a year that I spent in Germany. My, my PhD advisor sent me to the University of, of Freiburg. And he um, came to visit at one point because there was a conference there. And so, of course, he was asking me, what, what did I think? What were the differences? And so I was, I was telling him uh, what, I, what I was observing. And then he says, you know, whenever you go somewhere new, the first thing you see are all the differences. And then eventually you realize everything's the same. And, and so I think that's something that, that I see. There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of similarities between all of these institutions taking into account whether it was multidisciplinary or, or more single-focused. But I think uh, the biggest differences that I could see would be with MIT and their vast resources that they have. Um, but another issue is, is WSU is, is more student-centric, and has um, uh, probably more focused research than, than a place that has lots and lots of resources. And I, I often felt kind of bad when I was at MIT in that um, students were often, they were given a, a topic that they were going to do their research on and, and then disappeared for, for three years. And, and then they'd come up with something brilliant. But in the meantime, it was really difficult for them, you know, a lot of mental challenges that way. And I think that uh, WSU operates more of the way I've operated in other places where I, I think it's really important to, when you're working with students and, and newer researchers, is you, you help define the problem first, and then you wean them off. You know, you're waiting for them to take ownership of of the research project. And, and so, I, I, like I said, I, I think our research here is, is more focused and, and more student-centric. We, we want students to uh, be engaged and become independent when, when they're ready to become independent. Yeah. So glad that you made those comments about um, being more student-centric because there's, in a traditional view of research amongst faculty across the country, they believe either you're a teaching institution or you're a research institution, you cannot do both. And I think our university has shown that you can do both, and, and many other institutions have been able to demonstrate that as well. But I, from my experience as a researcher, I, I couldn't imagine um, not having that interaction on a regular basis with students and, and helping them go to the next step, and, and, and actually them helping me to refine things. So it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a two-way street. So, exactly. yeah. So great, great um, uh, comments about that. I appreciate that. So moving on in terms of what we're focused on here at the university, um, we have been talking about for a number of years of becoming a research one institution, which means that we would be performing research at the very highest level with um, only a small number of institutions across the country. 
matter of fact, the new rankings just came out um, this past year. We're not quite there. We believe, as you and I have talked many times, that we are on the cusp of, of becoming a, an R1 institution. Um, so talk more about what that would mean to Wichita State, mm -hmm. um, if we were able to achieve that. What, what would that bring to the university? Uh, what would it mean for students um, uh, if we were to get right. to that level? Right. So um, the primary benefit that it brings is it's a recognition of uh, what we can offer. And, and that, again, I mean, that itself brings resources. I, I've never seen a solicitation for a proposal that says only R1 institutions need apply. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's uh, always completely open. Um, but uh, I have been in a room before uh, where it was a group of researchers representing different institutions. And the reason why they had all gathered there to address an issue is because we were all at R1 institutions. And so I think that's where you see a lot of ad advantages is that it brings more opportunities in uh, the interaction with other institutions. And um, it, it uh, brings more resources that way. What I've seen in um, uh, just in our own state, there's often when there's a when there's a research issue or you know talking about resources that need to go to research in the state, they often bring their R1 schools together, and and, and the other schools are not part of that conversation. So mm -hmm. um, that's just just another example of of the clout that kind of brings um, right. to the university. But I also think that. Um, it helps with recruiting faculty uh, Absolutely. because they see that we're really focused on research and, and, and I think students too. So Absolutely. particularly doctoral level students, master's level students. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, uh, so great points. Um, so with Wichita State's initiative around digital transformation and the new National Institute for Research and Digital Transformation, what kinds of projects are you anticipating coming out of that? And what what do you see as the process to engage faculty around that? Hmm. Well, one of the aspects that you'll see is there, there certainly are um, more digital transformation types of, of resources becoming available. And for example, NSF announced last year that there will be a, an AI institute in, in every state and we have been fortunate enough to have um, Dr. Kaushik Sinha in the, the School for uh, Computing engaged in one of those where it's, it's centered at University of Texas at, at Austin. But Kansas will have an AI institute at some point, and I, I think that uh, Wichita State mm -hmm. should certainly be one of those. Uh, we'll also see that there are... Um, I'll quote, I'll quote another friend besides my PhD advisor, but I'll quote uh, Greg Hant as Dean of uh, Health Sciences, who said that there are um, fields are either data rich, analytics poor, or data poor, analytics rich. And so I think we'll see those, you know, both types of, of fields will grow in the sense of health sciences is, he, he says it's a data-rich area, but in analytics poor. And so certainly in those areas, you will see the analytics develop 
uh, to use that information, whereas in, in other areas, they're already with the analytics, but they don't have as much data to uh, collect. And so their data sources will grow and what they want to analyze will grow. And, and so as far as our, um, our different areas, uh, I think they'll look at those type of areas to, to go into and certainly take advantage of the uh, resources that we have on campus in terms of the High Performance Commuting Center, uh, not commuting, but computing center, and then having uh, resources like NetApp on, on uh, the innovation campus, taking advantage of, of the resources in NIAR. So I, I think it will become much more collaborative in order to take advantage of all those areas and, and help the different aspects grow. I just interviewed Melinda Laubach-Hawk, who is Director of Sustainment at Aztec, which is the uh, facility in the north part of our county um, doing uh, digital twins. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that, that really, um, that particular project has really driven a lot of uh, our research awards, you know, mostly through NIAR, um, but also I think has... Um, uh, made uh, other companies, other industry partners aware of what we're doing and the reason why they're on campus, like NetApp, um, Smart Factory. Uh, so it, to me, it really draws in pretty much everything um, that you could think of because our, everything's becoming digital and um, becoming a part of this new economy that's driven mm -hmm. by uh, a data. I think you'll see that even within curriculum that there won't be a single discipline that, that doesn't have a, a digital aspect. And I, I think places like, maybe not Smart Factory, but perhaps a place like uh, NetApp, they, it, it won't be unheard of for them to uh, have an intern from fine arts or, or from dance that, that is looking at some aspect where they're analyzing dance moves or you know, how to incorporate that into different fields. So it, it, will, it will permeate all of our all of our disciplines. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because our faculty have, over the last two or three years, really come forward with all kinds of new degree programs. So we have, uh, of course, a data science degree, data analytics, mathematical foundations of data analysis. We have cybersecurity, homeland security, digital arts, even linguistics. So that's, that's an mm -hmm. example of what people don't believe or know anything about um, uh, even the humanities mm -hmm. draws upon this field as well. So, and then in the linguistics, uh, feeding into accessibility. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good point. So here's a broad question. Okay. Um, what do you see as the future of research and innovation at Wichita State? I know that's you could. We probably could sit here the rest. That's of That's like our an day. interview question for <laughs> coming here in the first place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so what, what's your thoughts on that? Okay. Well, of course, I'm coming from more of the faculty-led research aspects. And, and I, I would say our future is certainly in um, collaborative research, um, in uh, multidisciplinary research. Uh, I think omics will grow in terms of, uh, so not just genomics and proteomics, but in terms of considering all parts of the constituency in, or all the constituent parts in, in um, a research area and, and develop new research areas. I think that um, uh, because of that uh, collaborative nature in the, the multidiscipline area, we'll see more long-term uh, research where it really takes advantage of more of the academic style where uh, you look at the 
you take advantage of the the fundamental science in those areas and the innovation and brainstorming and um, feed that into to different areas. So I think that you'll see, um, for example, more consortiums where there is a, an area of research that uh, we as scientists want to address or um, scholars want to address and companies are interested in but um, are willing to uh, think more um, broadly and uh, tackle questions that that maybe are not totally specific to their companies, but are but are aspects that will, if they can learn those aspects, that will help their product. But recognize that um, it doesn't have to be a short term goal or a very specific, well defined um, issue. That may have made no sense whatsoever. No, but... did, do you have an example um, that you could provide that uh, that? that kind of illustrates that. Yeah. So um, I'm thinking in terms of actually one of the oldest areas of center funding um, with the National Science Foundation, and that is these IUCRC, it's Industry University Collaborative Research. And the way they often work is um, an area will be defined and they won't duplicate any areas. Um, and I'll just, I'll give an example that, that I'm involved in. So um, I'm involved one from my previous institution that's the, the Center for Tire Research. And I'm, I'm sure most people think that tires, it's all, everything's been invented. One of the issues, of course, is a lot of it is, is not in open literature. So people who work there really know um, the issues. But um, in that case, there's several uh, companies from all over the world that are part of it, and they define um, they define a couple of areas that they're interested in. One, the one that I'm involved in right now is in the area of sustainability, and then uh, the so the the company um, advisors define the area they contribute the funding to it, and then uh, the researchers uh, propose topics in that area, and the companies are interested in ones that, like I said, it, it will help them, but they're not um, specifically impeding on their um, their private technology. And so they're very good at uh, offering advice in terms of they'll say, uh, in, in that area, they'll help with a formulation, and they'll say, this is not what we would really use but it'll enable you to publish, answer those questions, and it will really help answer some questions in our area. So uh, companies and academia willing to come together and um, look at uh, sort of focused area, but very broadly, and constantly thinking about what are some of the holes in the area and what can we do to advance the field. Yeah. Um, I was going to, if you weren't going to bring it up, I was going to have you talk about your tire research. And oh. <laughs> for those of you who are listening, she's talking about car tires and other kind of tires for vehicles of all different types. Um, um, so uh, uh, very interesting. Very, It's very applied in nature. Um, and I, I think one of the things that you're kind of getting at too is um, working alongside industry partners and helping them maybe in direct ways, but also indirect ways, what this mm -hmm. what sounds like. Um, instead of the other way, which has been more traditional and there's less funding available as, as, as a, a professor who has this particular interest and wants funding for that, but that may not be useful to anybody in industry. So that's why industry-funded research is actually growing and, and 
gaining more traction at, at institutions like Wichita State. So, um, so I appreciate that um, explanation. So, Colleen, um, thank you for being here today. Um, it's always good to talk to you beyond our regular meetings that we have at the university. And thank you, Shocker Nation, for joining me today. Join me next month when we celebrate something near and dear to Wichita State's heart, Innovation Month. Innovation touches everything we do at Wichita State, and we'll talk about it in our next episode of Forward Together.